Welcome to Park City Church. You're listening to our weekly message, where we hope you'll be inspired and encouraged to know and follow Jesus and welcome and serve others. Thank you for tuning in. Uh, Psalm 19. The heavens declare the glory of God. The skies proclaim the work of his hands. Day after day, they pour forth speech. Night after night, they display knowledge. There is no speech or language where there is not where their voice is not heard. The voice goes out into all the earth, the words to the ends of the world. In the heavens, he has pitched a tent for the sun, which is like a bridegroom coming forth from his pavilion, like a champion running, rejoicing to run his course. It rises at one end of the heavens and makes its circuit to the other. Nothing is hidden from its heat. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, giving joy to the heart. The commands of the, of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. The fear of the Lord is pure, enduring forever. The ordinance of the Lord are sure and altogether righteous. They are more precious than gold, than much pure gold. They are sweeter than honey, than honey from the comb. By them is your servant warmed. In keeping them there is great reward. Who can discern his errors? Forgive my hidden faults. Keep your servant also from willful sins. May they not rule over me. Then will I be blameless, innocent of great transgressions. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. I was kind of picked up Psalm 19, then thinking and reflecting on it. It took me back to, I won't say how long ago, but at some point earlier in my life, I was a youth pastor. And uh, there was a moment in my youth ministry that I, you know, it occurred to me this week, which this won't mean anything to you, but it occurred to me as I was reflecting this week, I think this has been sort of more internally formative than I realized in, in my life. And it was just an off-the-cuff remark. We had a couple of students in our ministry who Jesus said radically sort of worked in their lives, and they were contagious with their faith, and just the most gracious and warm, and are in ministry, and uh, uh, and during this season in our time in youth ministry, they were bringing friends with them uh, who just weren't connected to church at all, wasn't a part of their experience, had never been in the past, and uh, I remember one one Wednesday night after like a student ministry experience. Um, meeting these students, and one of these young ladies says to me, she's like, I really love your speeches, right? Yeah, <laughs> right, right? I know, right? And uh, I thought a lot of things in that moment. One was grace, you know, you're like, wow, you know, this, this, is all, this whole experience is foreign to her. The other one's like, man, these are speeches I'm preaching, right? <laughs> like, what? And, uh, you know, it's, it's kind of has lived sort of in my heart and mind, but I think it's sort of, it's, it's like, a, like a burr in my soul. I think it's probably shaped a little bit of some of the decisions I've made in my life and how I have thought about preaching and what I think about what happens in this particular moment in the church community. But uh, I, I sit with that experience, or rather I pick it up and invite you to pick it up with me as we step into Psalm 19, which Bill read for us this morning. Speech is a central sort of theme in Psalm 19. Um, you know, there's a lot, a lot of language here about speaking, about God speaking, about creation speaking, about his word speaking. It is clearly a motif that kind of holds these stanzas together. But it does provoke the question for me, like, well, what kind of talk is it? 
right? Like in the same way that that student, I don't know what her perception of whatever was happening in that youth ministry was when I was talking. Maybe that's yours. You're like, what's the fuss? You give a speech every week, and that's okay, you know. Like I come for the friends, but you're all right. Uh, like, uh, you know, but it raises the question when you pick up a, a psalm like this one. Like, what, what kind of talk is it? What, what kind of speech is it? And I want you to kind of hold on to that question as we move through the psalm this morning. We're going to approach it the way we typically do. I'm going to make some general observations about this psalm, this prayer or song. Um, but then we're going to sort of take those observations, and I'm going to ask you to think about what it looks like to pick it up, to, to, to take it and practice it, to, to pray it, if you will, instead of to speech it, right? And, and so to think about what kind of, t- of talk it is. So, but we're going to start with some observations that will be really on the nose. You, you'll, you'll be like, this speech was okay, but I didn't need you to tell me that. But I'm just going to say it anyway. And the first observation is, is that we, the first stanza, it breaks out neatly here. The whole first stanza is about God speaking in, in creation. Right, you hear it, the heavens, right out of the gate. Wherever the psalmist has been that provoked a kind of response at the creation he was experiencing, the heavens declare the glory of God. And then the language, so we have declaration, the skies proclaim, day pours forth speech, night reveals, uh, nowhere he says, even though the voice is like, everyone is within the sound of sort of this voice, there's nowhere it doesn't reach. Creation is speaking. God, God is speaking through creation, specifically announcing his, his glory, right? Specifically drawing wh- whoever will sort of tune their ear to hear his, his uh, glory, which is, I don't know how you answer the question. Where, where do you sort of maybe have that kind of experience? Uh, I occasionally have it on the disc golf course, not often because my play is so poor, and, uh, you know, some, you, know, you guys, anybody play disc golf? You guys know what disc golf is? Yeah, a little bit. You throw a disc. It's like golf, but baskets and chains. Not to be confused with, I always want to say real golf, but the, the true disc golfers are offended. So not to be confused with ball golf, right? <laughs> disc golf, all right? Uh, but occasionally, you know, w- w- the times I enjoy most are when I'm kind of removed. I'm not like playing around a parking lot, but we're like out in nature and it's, you know, generally quiet or beautiful or peaceful. Uh, we were kind of chatting about, I, I, again, I don't know, you guys like, man, disc golf, really? Have you been to the Rockies or something? But um, I was, we were chatting, my kids who were 10, we were talking about uh, this experience. And one of them was like, oh, yeah, 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 dad, you mean like, you know, I always think like, God, why did you put those trees here? Right? <laughs> I'm like, not quite what I had in mind, but, uh, right, like nature, right? There, there, is, there is an acknowledgement here that creation speaks. It says something. And maybe you experience it on a deer stand, maybe on a walk with your dog. Maybe you take a trip and you're away. Maybe you're in another country or maybe you're some remote place where there aren't a lot of people. Maybe you're in a really crowded place, but you're outside. Maybe it's architectural and you sort of see the, 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 the landscape and the city line, and, and uh, you think of, like, God's creative work in and through his people, like, and, and you're, you're kind of taking all of this in. I, I don't know what that space is for you, but the psalmist acknowledges right up front that God speaks through creation. He speaks. And as we pick up this psalm, we're drawn into that conversation, right? We're, we're, we're just, we're pulled into it. When you pray these words, you're, you're pulled into this truth. It's, it's why I'm excited about stepping into Genesis. As you know, out, out of the gate, right, we're drawn into the story of God's creation and that it is good. 
and his creation of you and me, right? Like, good. And uh, the psalmist in this prayer pulls us into this story, this truth that God is speaking. He speaks. He is, he is reaching out to you and me, announcing his glory in creation. I, I, I don't know. I feel like people are generally okay with this notion, right? We know it's more than a notion, but if we speak culturally, I think people are generally okay with this. We, 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 you know, culturally, we're pretty comfortable with the kind of generic, awe-inducing encounter with sort of creation, right? Like, people are open to that kind of experience. Like, whatever it is that's out there that made all of this happen, whether it's, you know, molecular or otherwise, whatever, like, we're, we're open to this kind of, like, changing, awe-inducing experience with creation. We, we had a service in here on Wednesday, and we made a similar reflection from a different psalm, but I asked the congregation to, to go to a place they had been imaginatively, uh, that they had experienced this kind of awe. And uh, one of them shared with me afterwards, I made some offhand joke about uh, Western Kansas and my sarcastic tone, which I realized was not fair, having not been, right? And, uh, and she came up to me afterwards and she said, my, my, I went to Western Kansas. You've obviously never been, right? She said, when you're out there at night and uh, right, you're, you're underneath the sort of way in which you can see the nighttime view of the galaxies above, she, you know, then come and talk to me, right? <laughs> that, that kind of move, right? We, 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 this is a thing we can acknowledge. But, but the psalmist... Um, in this prayer, uh, acknowledges that, yes, God speaks here, but this isn't the only place and way in which God speaks. He moves on in the second stanza. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. Right, so there's a shift. It's a break. First it's creation, and now he's going to talk about God's word, right, scripture. Uh, he's going to talk about the, the, the specific word of God to his people. God speaks in creation, but he speaks in scripture as well. I, I want you to listen for the verbs, all right? Listen for the verbs uh, in this type of speech from God. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is pure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes, enduring forever. Like the, you hear the action here. God's word, specific word in scripture, revives the soul, makes wise, rejoices the heart, enlightens eyes. These descriptions of it enduring, it has staying power, God's word does, and, and that it's righteous, it's altogether good and making right. And the, the sort of result, the effect of that on our lives is it's this thing that becomes more desirable than gold and sweeter than honey. You guys like honey? You're like, meh. We, uh, we, this is, well, anyway, I'm, on, I'm down the road, so here we go. We, uh, my family, we spent a little bit of time uh, in Scotland, and while we were there, we had set honey, which I know is a thing you can probably get anywhere, and uh, I don't, maybe we, I don't know, but we, we had, we had some scones in the morning, and, and we just would like spread like set honey, kind of gritty, spreadable, it was so good. I remember when we came back, we couldn't find it. 
we're like, where's this thing? We, it was just so good. We think we've sort of landed on a, you know, suitable substitute or whatever. And maybe it's a thing that it's, a, there's, I know there's honey culture and all kinds of things. I could probably like take a deep dive and find what I was looking for. But, you know, it wasn't readily available to me in the store that I was in. So I was like, I can't find this stuff here. But, but the, that was a serious sort of sidetrack. All that to say, right, that, that in this prayer, we, we, we move from kind of the sort of awe-inducing spoken word of God in creation to, to his particular word in scripture. And in this prayer, the psalmist says, it's, it's, like, it's like when you get a taste of that honey and, and, and that there's a, a craving in you for like more, it's sweet and, and good, the way it hits the palate. I, I don't know. I don't think that's often how we think of God's word. I know it's not how culture thinks of God's word. Right? When, when we think about the words of God in Scripture, uh, we know this to be true if we're familiar with passages, but in our experience, we're like, man, eh, maybe not. And yet, this is the prayer that we pick up here. The Word of God comes to us in creation. His, 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 he speaks to us in creation and in his word. It's been described, you know, like you, you could, like through sky and, and in scripture, through the soundless words of creation. Romans will pick up that language in the New Testament. It's, it's not generic, but it's kind of general. This God revealing himself in creation through the eloquence of, of creation, but, but also through the perfect and clear words of scripture. We find that God is speaking. God speaks, and it's awe-inducing and beautiful and delicious, like honey. But I want you to notice where the prayer lands, all right? Verse 12, who can discern his errors? Declare me innocent from my hidden faults. Keep back your servant also from presumptuous sins. Let them not have dominion over me. Then I shall be blameless, innocent of great transgression. Let the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart be acceptable in your sight. What is interesting to me in this passage is the result of God's word to us in creation and in scripture. That where it lands is, is exposure. It's this, it's this move to me, right? That, uh, here the psalmist picks up this prayer and draws us into this truth that God speaks. He speaks. He reveals himself in creation and in his word. But the result we find is that as God reveals himself, we find ourselves to be revealed as, as well. Our hearts and lives brought out oftentimes in an uncomfortable way into the open. We are revealed. Souls are revived through his word because they are withered and dead without him. We are made wise through his word because alone we are prone to wander around in our foolishness and brokenness. Hearts are rejoiced by scripture because on our own we are often downcast and heavy-hearted. Eyes are enlightened because, because we love darkness instead of light. We need his word to breathe into us. And lest we think this is only the role of Scripture, I find it interesting that in verse 6, even in creation, he teases this move. That as God reveals himself in creation, he uses the imagery of the heat of the sun, that there is nothing hidden from its heat. 
nothing hidden from its seed. I, I think we flip the script on this just naturally. You maybe have certainly friends and neighbors as you engage with people about faith. I think culturally we, we, we flip the script on this. We're okay with an awe-inspiring experience of creation, whatever that says about whatever's out there. We're okay with that. But you start to talk about this sort of specific word of God in Scripture, and we find it restrictive and, and um, prohibitive. And, and it, it is, uh, we are a little more reluctant to sort of allow for that kind of word. But interestingly, this psalmist says it's the other way around in some sense. That even in creation, nothing is hidden from the heat of the sun. God's revelation is, is there, and it's out of that experience as you step into his word. You don't find something uh, restrictive and prohibitive. You find something that gives life and hope and wisdom and revives and energizes. It's a, it's a slightly different move. They both make sort of the similar um, land in a similar place, if you will. Both words, as God speaks to you and me through creation and through his word, both of them move us to a place of vulnerability, of exposure. Nothing is hidden. You're thinking, oh my goodness, is he about to make me turn to my neighbor and confess my sins, right? Is that what's about to happen? Please, God, no, right? Never going back to that church, right? But it's an interesting move in the prayer. Whether it's creation or God's word, the, 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 the nudge is the same. Everything is revealed. Man, oh man, is that sometimes difficult news for people who love to hide and who hide for all kinds of reasons. Many of them in this room probably coming to your mind now. We, we are prone to, to hide, and as we pick up the words of this prayer, we're drawn into a different story, a different reality or truth. So I ask you the question, what does it mean? What kind of talk is this? Not my talk, because like, Exciting, boring, engaging, a little weird. He's a quirky guy. I don't know, right? Like, not what kind of talk that now I've drawn attention to it. Not what kind of talk am I giving, right? But what kind of talk is Psalm 19 for you? What's it feel like to pick up Psalm 19 and pray it? Not just to sort of like hold it as a thing we know and understand. God speaks in creation. He speaks through his word. and This is the response. It reveals my heart and life. Like not just to kind of know those things, but to pick it up, and hold it in our hands and in our mouths and to sing it and to pray it and to, to practice it. I, uh, my kids, we, with the sort of influence of their uncle that has been well received, have, have taken a bit of, of a disc golf. We've been playing a little bit. And uh, we gave them, they were a bit younger, we gave them their first discs. They each got their first disc, right? It was a big day, a solemn moment. No, I, I don't know. But uh, I don't remember the occasion we were talking about it. Uh, I can't remember if it was birthday or Christmas, but we gave them their first gift. And one of my kids, she opened it. We hadn't played a lot at this point, mind you. They were young. And sh she opened her gift, and she's like, a plate, <laughs> right? Maybe we were somewhere between like Ikea plates and real dinnerware, and she's like, I, I don't know what to do with this. And her sister was like, no, 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 that's a, that's a disc, you know, and uh, a plate. I kind of feel that way. We pick up a psalm, and we're like, a speech, All right? I, I want to propose to you this morning that what happens when you pick up Psalm 19 
is what is what hits us with the conclusion. It's what it's what lands uh, where the the psalm lands. That as you pick up this prayer and you're drawn into the story of a God who reveals himself to you in creation under the blistering heat of that sun or, or through the incisive and sometimes surgically precise word of scripture that cuts into your life and heart as you step into that story in this prayer what you expect to find when all of that sort of uh, shame or whatever you carry may be revealed we expect judge and accuser but where Psalm 19 lands says that when we have stepped into this conversation with God, what we find as a conversation partner there is a rock and a redeemer. And all the things you carry that want to keep you away or distant from that conversation, Psalm 19 pulls you in and says, it's okay, like, because of Jesus, right, let me draw you into this conversation and what you will find here is rock and redeemer that to pray this prayer, for you and me to pray this prayer, to pick it up, turn it over in our hearts, is to put ourselves in a really vulnerable position in which nothing is hidden, nothing. But also to find, amazingly, in that moment, that, that when we are there, the one who meets us there is rock and redeemer. And maybe you step into this conversation, maybe you pick up this prayer this morning. You were all too familiar with your vulnerabilities, your insecurities, your smallness perhaps, maybe in light of creation, maybe in light of your perceptions of the church and scripture and God's word and all those things. You carry an inordinate sense of your smallness. Things in your life feel insecure and, and wobbly. This prayer brings you to the hands of one who is your rock. Whatever you may carry brings you into the company of one, a conversation partner with you who is your rock. Or maybe you're here and you were all too familiar with the last stanza of this poem. Errors, hidden faults, presumptuous sins and transgressions, the things in your life you work desperately to cover over. This prayer brings you, it brings you to the hands of one who is your redeemer. The hands of one who takes whatever ravages sin has wrought in your life and who redeems God's word to you and me this morning in creation and in scripture. This place where we step into, we discover, we think we're the ones talking, but what we find is God is the one searching. We're searching creation and scripture, but we get there and we're like, wait a second, his, his uh, eyes are searching me. And beneath the heat of that gaze, where we're seen for who we are, what we find amazingly as we meet God for who he is. Your rock and your redeemer. Thank you for listening to the Park City Church Podcast. To learn more about our church and or to find ways to get involved in our community, visit us at parkcitykc.com or follow us on social media at parkcitykc.com.